Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. That means this, he says, he goes on to say, he says that it may be well with you uh, and you may live long on the earth. So what that tells us is that honoring our, our father and our mother makes them feel special uh, and appreciated, but we ourselves who are doing the honoring, we are receiving a benefit back into our lives, namely of God allowing us to live a blessed and a long life. It is a, a command. It has the promise attached to it. Um, and just to bear out what exactly that means, let me read from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 16. And uh, here we have uh, a scripture that, uh, just to get the setting right, when Moses gave them the Ten Commandments and all the other commands, he says, when you guys go into the promised land, you're crossing over the Jordan. He says, I want you to go and read out the blessing, and I want you to read out the curses. Um, and he says, I want half of Israel, six tribes on this mountain, and the other half on that mountain. And, uh, and the priests and the Levites were to proclaim the word, and then the people on this side had to shout amen, and when it came to the other side, they had to shout amen. And, and you know, shouting amen means we've heard what you've said, and we agreed what you've said, and we will do what you've said. That's what that means. All right. Uh, so if you feel to shout the occasional amen, it'll encourage me today. And uh, praise God. Uh, Deuteronomy 27, verse 16, uh, he says, Cursed is the one who treats his father and his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. You know, that's a rather sobering scripture for us to realize and to read and to understand. This is the flip side of the fifth commandment. Uh, those who will not honor their mother or their father for that matter, but choose to treat them with contempt instead, will bring a curse into their lives. All right, so that's what we derive from that scripture right here. Uh, and it's interesting, sometimes uh, we see things going on in people's lives that is not good and it shouldn't go on, and some people's lives clearly are better than other people's lives, and, but we don't always know what's going on. And, you know, sometimes for a lack of knowledge, God says that my people are destroyed, but it's lacking knowledge, essential knowledge that we need in order to make good decisions. And, and one of the better decisions in life is to always honor father and mother that it may go well with us and we may live a long life. Now let me swing into the next uh, uh, heading there in the outline. Basically says here, and it is stating the obvious, but it says mothers are ordained of God and motherhood is sacred in God's eyes. We are speaking about mothers. We're speaking about the sacredness of motherhood. You know, God has authored that all human life will come into the earth through a mother. Of course, that's not just a single one mother, all right, where every human being has a, uh, you know, the, the different mothers, and my goodness, uh, uh, and uh, I know you, you understand what I'm trying to say. You know, the only exception here is Adam and Eve. You know, Eve became a mother, but she didn't have a mother because God fashioned Adam out of the, you know, the dirt of the ground, um, and he took a, a rib from Adam's side and fashioned Eve out of it. Uh, so those two didn't have natural parents like you and I have, but every other human being beyond that uh, has come into this earth through a mother, all right? Uh, and God has uh, planned it that way. The beginning 
of human life is ordained by God. And again, I'm telling you stuff that you already know. But it happens with a conception followed by a pregnancy resulting in the birth of a baby. All right. And with the exception, I was going to mention this, but I might as well. You know, the conception, you know, it does, that's a two-person uh, task. But then everything beyond that is mom's task. And sometimes, you know, we as blokes, uh, uh, you know, we now we want to be a bit more engaged uh, than what I guess our, the previous generation would have been, you know, with, with, with the whole process of uh, pregnancy and then child rearing and so forth. Because there was a day, you know, where fathers weren't that engaged in that. They were, would have been too busy. It wasn't sort of the done deal back then. Uh, and it's not uncommon for a bloke to uh, say, you know, he's married and his, his, uh, his lady, his missus got, got pregnant and he says, we are pregnant. You know, and that's wonderful. That's absolutely lovely. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> In the end, she's the one that's pregnant. She's the one that carries the baby and she's the one that gives birth to the baby. Uh, and uh, praise God. And some of the men say, praise God for that. You know, like they talk about childbirth and like, I don't want to know about that. Uh, um, so none of this uh, is possible without a woman who is willing to be a mother. And uh, as we understand today, and as Bob McCroskey early on indicated in that video clip that uh, we showed, there's been an all-out attack on motherhood to demean uh, motherhood as um, an undesirable function for women. Um, and, you know, various groups, various quarters, uh, you know, feminists way back, and then it sort of went on from there, and just an all-out attack. Actually, there is an all-out attack against the traditional family, as we know it and as we understand it, and that includes husbands, of course, so, you know, we're talking about fathers, wives, we're talking about mothers, and also sons, who are the boys, and girls, uh, who are the daughters. And I'm purposely using all of these terms because, you know, nowadays we understand that in some schools uh, around the world, teachers are encouraged to no longer call the, the children boys and girls because it's reference to gender. And with this whole gender confusion today that's going on, it's just a disaster. Um, and sometimes people that are engaging in that nonsense uh, uh, are kind of, you know, I kind of feel like misguided and just don't understand what we are discussing here today. But those who are promoting that nonsense, in my view, are outright evil and stupid people that have no sense uh, whatsoever in terms of a, a biblical uh, worldview, um, a, a, what we might call a Judeo-Christian worldview, where you got a mom and you got a dad and you got children, and they're either boys or girls. They're just not all my little champions in all these other terms that they're supposed to use now. And, you know, mothers are now, you know, uh, uh, childbearing persons, uh, Breastfeeding is no longer a term that's uh, all that vogue today. It's like, you know, that they call it chest feeding uh, and all of that nonsense. It is demeaning to women and it is demeaning to God Almighty who has designed the system and people are trying to change the system. My goodness. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm, I just feel strongly about these things. You know, the devil hates humanity. Uh, and tries his hardest to demean, to debase, to depreciate, and to destroy what God has ordained. However, 
God himself still holds motherhood as precious to him, and he considers mum to be foundation, mums to be foundational and essential to all human life on earth. And I personally, for one, do not appreciate seeing cartoons of a bloke that looks pregnant. You know, it's indicated that, you know, now you don't need a mother. You can have men that can be pregnant, you know, and nonsense like that. It's just a disaster. I think we ought to fight this agenda at every turn, uh, at every opportunity that we can. And for me, something happened to me in the last couple of years. You know, that whole area, oh, let's just be kind, let's just be nice. I'm beyond that now, honestly. I says, with everything that they've pulled over us uh, and that they have subjected us to uh, and so forth, I'm now, you know, I'm, I'm out the other side now. Um, and, uh, you know, when they talk about calling things out, well, I'm now ready to call things out. I'm just no longer to prepare this to play this stupid game that they have tried to play with us. Um, and I'll be speaking about that separately on another occasion. I don't want to get too sidetracked today, but uh, it's about mum today, okay? <laughs> mum, you're special. We love you. Um, Psalm 127, verse 3, 4, and 5, it says, No doubt about it, children are a gift from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a divine reward. It's not a divine hassle. It is a divine reward. The children born when one is young are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. The person who fills a quiver full of them is truly happy. Um, and the indication here almost is that the more the merrier, you know. <laughs> and uh, it, says, it says, the person who fills a quiver full of them is truly happy. They won't be ashamed when arguing with the enemies in the gates. Uh, you know, certain families you don't hassle with. Um, because they're, they're big families, and you know, if, 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 if it comes down to it, you know, you don't want to pick a fight with some families. Uh, uh, I grew up in a family like that. There was uh, mom and dad and seven of us kids, uh, five boys, two girls, and you just don't muck around with us. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and so when we're speaking about uh, children being born, the fruit of the womb... And by the way, only mothers have wombs, okay? <laughs> he says, they are like arrows. They are like, the children are like arrows. And my plan is not to speak about parenting, but as I said before, to speak about motherhood, we've got to look at the whole gamut, uh, really, uh, in order for it, for it all to make sense. So it's, it's in, in its proper settings. But, you know, arrows... When I grew up, my brother and I, in fact, I have four, uh, four brothers. I'm one of the boys, so it's five boys, uh, four brothers. One's gone to heaven already early. wasn't necessary, but anyway, the other ones are still there. And my brother just up from me. In fact, he might be watching, uh, and so I better make sure that I only speak kind words. But, he, you know, he's a good guy. We've always gone, been like this, always got on well. And, you know, back then, you know, as kids, uh, we didn't have... Um, all the electronics and everything. You know, we were out in the woods and running around. Uh, and we were big time into bows and arrows. You know, it's cowboys and Indians. And, you know, the real, the real games rather than a lot of the stuff that you see today. And, you know, my mother had a philosophy like we're just roaming the woods, uh, uh, raiding birds' nests uh, and uh, uh, just, you know, into things. And, 
And, and somebody would say, where, where are the kids? Oh, she says, they will come home when they're hungry. That was like her philosophy. You know, they will come home when they're hungry. And we did. We did. We came home and we were hungry. And uh, anyway, bow and arrow. And, you know, arrows uh, uh, chose him from uh, uh, amongst uh, some, uh, some wooden sticks. Um, and then they're cleaned of all the lumps and bumps. And you know where this is going, don't you? Um, we're talking about parenting tasks, and we're talking about mom's job to clean off all the lumps and the bumps of their little arrows. Uh, you know, God, uh, God's done the, the picking. He's given you an arrow. All right, once the child is born, you, you haven't chosen that one as such. It's just out of a bunch uh, in, in, in God's mind, you know, in God's heart. Is say, I'll give you this arrow, and I'll give that one over there, that arrow's. Uh, arrow, and once the arrows are there, uh, you know, they need to be cleaned off. Um, and after that, they need to be honed and, and sharpened at the tip. And finally, they're fitted with some feathers, or what they call the veins, uh, towards the tail end to keep them on target uh, when they're shot forth. Because arrows is all about shooting. Uh, you don't just carry arrows for the sake of carrying arrows. And, you know, having children in the end of the day, it's all about shooting them forth at some point. And I remember when we shot the first one forth, uh, when he was about 16, and that was like a milestone. And, it's, you know, some of you remember when, you know, your little arrow went to school on the first day. You know, a little guy or a little girl with a backpack that was too big for them. And mums usually cry at that moment. Uh, and I better move on, otherwise I get emotional. Um, so we're talking about arrows and you know, with all of that going on, typically, and I say typically, not always, but typically, since a mother spends more time with the children during the child-rearing years than, say, uh, a father, the greater portion of this task of preparing the arrow falls on the mother. The greater portion, not the only, not the only deal, but the greater portion of it. Um, and... Uh, uh, I remember a number of years ago, in fact, decades now, we had a family that was connected into this church, and there was a father and a mother and a bunch of kids. And, uh, you know, the father would say, uh, he couldn't figure out what, what his wife was doing all day. He said to her, what are you doing all day? Uh, they, I think from memory they had uh, three. They might have four kids. Um, what are you doing all day? And, of course, she couldn't quite believe what that question meant, you know. Anyway, it turned out that the mother had to go away for three days. Um, and the father took on the job of the mother, all right? And suddenly he knew what she did. On the third day, he was pulling out his hair, you know, like, oh, where's mom, you know? <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for mom to come back home again because suddenly he realized, you know, mom, what are you doing all day? Well, the answer is minding and preparing arrows all day long and sometimes halfway into the night, late in the evening and then starting early in the morning, cleaning up messes, washing, drying, folding clothes, bathing them, feeding them, putting them to sleep, sometimes needing to wake them up, though most kids are up by themselves early in the morning, way too early, way too early. Um, shopping, cleaning, serving, uh, cooking, teaching them to walk, to talk, feeding themselves, to clothe themselves, the list just goes on and on and on. You know, teaching them the manners, you know, the pleases and thank yous of life. Um, we're talking about, uh, you know, <laughs> correcting attitudes and behaviors all day long. All right? That just doesn't stop. Honing their character. And uh, honing the character is the tip of the arrow. 
The character of a child is more important than the skills of a child, though everything is important. But the character when the children are shot forth, as I say, we want to know that there is, you know, children that are knowing how to honor and respect and know how to say please and thank you, knowing that they are law-abiding citizens and knowing that they're contributors to society rather than takers from society. You know what I'm saying. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, shaping their personality. And every child has a personality. And it does not take long to figure out that they're all different. And, you know, there are certain generalities between boys and girls uh, and uh, differences between them. But then you find that each child has its own unique uh, personality. And, you know, somebody said once, I treat all my kids the same. I said, well, well I do not. Uh, You've got to adjust things to the personality of the error that you got on your hands. Uh, but some of them you've got to do a bit more of this and a bit less, less of that. But, you know, you don't play favoritism with the kids, but you know, so they're all different. And then, you know, <laughs> mom's job, you know, straightening out any crookedness in the arrow. Um, you know, arrows, my brother and I, we soon learned when we went out uh, uh, into the woods, you know, into the, into the shrubs, and we cut down some, some, uh, some branches. You know, hazelnut worked pretty good, and, and, and sometimes willows. Uh, willows worked good, but that was a bit on the soft side. But, you know, the first thing we would do, we'd look down, and if it's nice and straight, and hopefully it doesn't have too many branches coming off, because every little branch, unless it is carefully removed, it will affect uh, the ability of this arrow to fly straight, and if it had a slight curve on it, forget it. You know, an arrow is not a boomerang. Because <laughs> we learned if you take a crooked arrow that's crooked and you shoot it forward, and whoo, it fly over here. If the bank goes, whoo, it fly off over there. And, 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 and I'll tell you what, this is like, you know, with children today, they are like arrows that hopefully, uh, hopefully, when we shoot them forth, We've dealt with all of those lumps and bumps. Um, and uh, friends, let's deal with the lumps and bumps early while you got a command over the children. Once they leave home and they're adults in their own lives, you're still there. You can still encourage, you can advise, and they are your friends. But don't become the friends of your children too early. Uh, that's why some of you think that, oh, my little three-year-old is my friend. No, 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 he's not your friend. You are the guardian, you are the authority, and use that authority and knock away the lumps and the bumps. And you know, Moses uh, uh, was actually Abraham. God says, I know Abraham. When he chose Abraham to become the, you know, to come into covenant with and then to have a whole generation raised up, a whole nation, he says, I know Abraham, God says, because he will command his children after him. You know, you don't suggest your children after you. You don't suggest that they be, be kind. You, you just demand it. And there's ways to do that. It wasn't going to be a parenting uh, uh, a session. This is all about mums today. So, as I said, this list here is nowhere near a complete list of all that mothers do. You know, mums could help me. We could write page after page with every little detail of everything that a mum does. Uh, it is just amazing. And as I said, that video clip that we watched earlier on, I mean, this is really quite something. 
And of course, we're talking about all these tasks and all of these jobs and everything that moms do. Of course, fathers are and most certainly should be involved in all of these tasks. But, uh, you know, with what goes on uh, with the economic situation, somebody's got to go out and bring home the bacon. And typically, that's the father. And, uh, and you know, and somebody's got to stay home to look after the kids. And typically, it is the father. Sometimes the roles are swapped and sometimes there is only one or the other. And, you know, I salute every, every single parent, every solo parent and the great job that you're doing, whether you are a father or a mother. And, you know, sometimes uh, what we would say or what I would say is, look, uh, sometimes when, when uh, a child doesn't have a father, it certainly needs a father figure. All right, but there's father figures around. And the good thing for us, we're in the body of Christ, and we are we got fathers, uh, people that are prepared to, to take on a child uh, that doesn't have a father and to help them, uh, particularly if it's a boy, to help him to become a man. Because we've got 50-year-olds running around. They're still boys. Nobody's ever helped them to turn from a boy into a man. And this is not a physical thing. That all happens by itself. All right, the whole aspect of manhood. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old. <laughs> Parents, moms in particular, because this is the greater portion of this thing falls on you, particularly in the early years. You know, like... <laughs> I'm told that in some cultures, um, you know, particularly boys, they can run wild until they get to five years old, and then the parents come down on them like a ton of bricks. You know what that is? That's just plain scriptural ignorance and stupidity, in my view. You start shaping that arrow early, all right? Work early, because you've only got a few years. And then you go and try and visit your 40-year-old boy or girl and you try to speak into their lives when you see glaring things that are going on that shouldn't be there. You know, at that stage, it's a bit late. You know, you can always can encourage and advise, but it's a bit late. You deal with things while they're with you, while they're in your house. I know this sounds a bit firm, but I'm certainly that whole Google parenting today it's all child-centered parenting. And uh, as I says, for those of us that were brought up in a different generation, we can see it everywhere, but, you know, what can you say? People are very precious about their kids, so I'm very careful now what I say. I'm very careful. Uh, but some of you are child-centered parents, and you will pay for it, all right, because you don't understand. You're doing the best you can. Uh, but your parenting is Google-style. It's not biblical-style. In fact, we've got a parenting course going on again before too long, and praise God for that. So train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Uh, you know, it's like in little already, little, uh, you know, when the, when the baby is little, pointed already in the direction. You know, babies are amazing. Babies know when you're pleased and when you're displeased. And, you know, little things like, you know, I wasn't going to get into breastfeeding today. Uh, I certainly wasn't going to do that because I don't know too much about it. But they do tell me that babies can sometimes be a bit rough. Right there is an opportunity. Rather than let it go. If a baby is capable of being a bit on the rough side rather than, you know, be more gentle, right there is an opportunity to say, uh-uh, all right, rather than let it go. 
and wait until you've got a five-year-old or an eight-year-old. And if you've got boys, if you only got girls, God bless you. <laughs> you don't really, you really only know uh, the, the, in terms of 100% of parenting, uh, uh, it's like, you know, you, you don't, if you only got girls, you don't know 50% of what you could experience if you have boys as well. All right. And the stupid thing is this, that, you know, with that anti-smacking law, the woman, the MP that was pushing that at the time only had girls. Didn't really know what, what that was all about. But anyway, I uh, won't, won't get into that. Um, and so point your arrow in the direction that you want him to go early. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, but as I say, I speak about the traditional family, and of course a lot of that's gone out the window, and not everything has to be rigid and has to be all stark and all, you know, all very uh, uh, rigid. But, you know, in, in, a, in my situation, in Vanessa, we decided that I was going to go out and bring home the bacon, and she was going to stay home with the kids um, and, uh, you know, be a stay-home mom, and we have not regretted it. Uh, uh, we could have done better financially, uh, if she had gone out as well, and we just farmed the kids off. Uh, and, uh, but you know what? One thing that we've learned uh, way back already, we talked about socialism, we talked about communism. Under a communist uh, uh, regime and rule and, and lifestyle, you know, mothers are barely given enough time uh, to, to give birth and then, you know, have three weeks and recover and farm the kid out to somebody and get back to the workforce because the state wants to bring up your children. Uh, under communism, uh, and of course people don't realize uh, what we've got going on in this nation, but uh, the socialistic uh, agenda in our nation is unbelievable. You know, somebody, uh, just, just, just as an aside, somebody's done some research uh, about the kings of, of France, multiple over the generations there, over the, over the centuries, uh, and it was found out that only three of them were good kings and loved the people. The others did not. You know, they set themselves up as these demigods or gods and just used and abused the people. Only three kings for multiple, uh, you know, centuries, only three of them loved the people. It turned out that those three were brought up by their own mother. All the others were given to the, you know, to the academics, to the teachers, to the maids. And, you know, some maids do a wonderful, marvelous job, but nobody loves the baby like mom. All right. So anyway, you get out of this what works for you. But as I say, uh, as I say, there is a, uh, there is a, uh, there is a, uh, uh, it, it is a good thing to, to go with what the word says as much as you can in terms of, you know, in terms of parenting uh, style and, 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 you know, things. And sometimes, you know, I really feel for people today, the economic situation. That's why, you know, there is a thrust by powers that be to keep the people just on the bread line, to keep them just on the bread line so they have to work hard all day, every day. And both mom and dad have to work hard all day, every day, you know, just in order to put a roof over their head uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, put food on the table. And so as soon as somebody does better than that, then they, they, they get taxed really hard so that it reduces them down. Uh, it's like, you know, communism wants everybody on the same plane, uh, but God's not a communist. God is not a communist. So I swing it to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Uh, here is Paul, the apostle Paul, the aged 
uh, man speaking to Timothy. Young Timothy was a minister. Uh, when we say young, he wasn't a teenager at that stage. Uh, he would have been middle-aged, I guess. Uh, Paul was more sort of up there in years, mature in his years. And he speaks to Timothy um, and instructs him in regards to how to conduct himself and what to do and how to lead the church that he was pastoring. And he says, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So that tells us here that young Timothy was brought up in the Lord. He learned the Scriptures, and he learned it early. Um, and... Uh, and of course, as parents, we know that we're not only responsible for the child's physical needs or for that matter, emotional needs or mental needs in terms of, you know, food and shelter and, and you know, emotional that they feel loved and so forth and mental needs that they, they, there's education that goes on, but we're also very responsible for their spiritual needs. So this scripture here, describes the added responsibility of parents to live out and to pass on their faith in God to their children and to teach them the Holy Scriptures. You know, parents, uh, we, we as, a, as a church, as a, as a leadership, as a, as a children's uh, ministry, youth ministry for that matter, we love your children, but we can't do it all. Uh, like right now, your children are being looked after, but they're not just minded, they're being taught. You know, our children's church people, we've got a wonderful team there, we've got a wonderful, there's a wonderful vision, there's a wonderful curriculum there. But uh, if that teaching is not supplementary to what your children get at home, then, you know, it's only every Sunday. And then some of you, you miss three weeks, and your child misses out three weeks on Bible teaching and Bible stories, and so it goes on. And if I head down that track, some of you might say, oh, Pastor, you didn't have to say that this morning, but friends, families, all right, spiritual well-being, your children, your descendants, your seed. That's what we're talking about. Mums and dads maintain a strong faith in Jesus Christ and instill it into the lives of your children. Some of it happens by osmosis, by just them being around you. They see your faith lived out every day, but some of it is done purposely by teaching them. And uh, it's an amazing thing, but, uh, you know, when I grew up, our grandmother wouldn't let us out the house until we had prayed. And because my parents were busy, my father was running a business, a sawmill. He was the, 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 the owner-operator and the only worker there. And that's where us kids came in. We were the workers as well, uh, as soon as we could. And, you know, my mother, we had a, we had a, a farm, farmlet, you might call it. And she was busy, but our grandmother... I remember after giving us breakfast, when it was time to go to school, she sat us down on her knee on a chair that was close to the front door, and there was a crucifix up. Uh, and, you know, being brought up Catholic, there was a little bowl with holy water in there. And there's a, so some of that, like, you know, do I care for that today? But, you know, the principle, the principle, you know, she prayed with us, and we had to hold our hands like this, and she made us face, face that cross. 
You know, train up a child in the way that he should go when he's old. It's almost like, I'm not saying this is a revelation, uh, but when I had a look at that scripture again, I thought, gosh, you know, like uh, we've always said, you know, that, that, you know, train up a child and nothing will ever go wrong in their lives and they will always make good decisions. Well, from experience now, I can tell you that's not how it's worked for us. As I said, we had a few bleeps, uh, we had a few bumps uh, along the way. But, you know, I'm pleased to say, and this is not about bragging in any way, and this is not speaking about how clever we might be, but God is a good God, that if you're faithful to the task and you hold on to the faith and to the prayers and everything else, as I say, Vanessa and I, we have four children, and we got, uh, it just helped me, six grandchildren. <laughs> it keeps on changing, you know, but, but we got all the kids and all the grandkids in the house. But it was a time when, you know, where, where are they? But, but train up a child in the way that he should go when he's old. Not when he's a teenager, but when he's old. I stop right there. As I say, I don't want to start a new theology that you expect your kids to go off in your teenage years. But as I say, they are the bumpiest, uh, the bumpiest uh, um, stretch of road that <laughs> uh, stretch of water that you're sailing through. And some of you are there right now, and we're praying for you. All right, we love you, and we're praying for you. But don't do child-centered parenting. Don't do child-centered parenting. Oh, don't say, oh, they're just kids. For every wrong action you've got to introduce some consequences. Basic parenting. If there's actions and no consequences, like why do we have the prisons filled with people, mostly men? Things gone wrong somewhere. I'm not here to blame anybody. I'm not here to give anybody a hard time. But when a child grows up thinking that they can do anything they like, right or wrong or otherwise, and uh, there will be no consequences. Well, guess what? Break the law. And some people get away with it for a while, but in the end, the law will come down on them like a ton of bricks. So teach them early. You are the first authority as the parent in the children's lives. And this is going to be about mums today. Now, suddenly we're talking about child training and kids, but I'm just trying to encourage you mums. You are their first authority. If they will not obey you, they don't give us stuff about the law of the land or anything else, any other authority that we have in, you know, in, in society. And uh, I know I'm sp speaking strong words, but look, this is very, very, very important. These are your children. Um, Hollywood and Disney will corrupt your children. You know, that's gone woke. That's gone cancel culture that's gone it's just a disaster it's always been bad but it is so bad today that you can't even imagine how intelligent people can come up with such nonsense but actually that's the thing you know people as i say i'm not against education at all i'm certainly not against university i've never gone to university but i might one day but with some people depending on what they study they go into university quite clever they come out the other side and they're now stupid it's like they've been ruined <laughs> it's like, and now they're trying to ruin your children in schools and even in kindergarten, they're already trying to come after them. I had a group of ministers uh, just this week and I was in 
trying to encourage them in some of those areas. And I said to them, look, and I've said this before, I said, look, with everything that's going on around us today, you know, I said, I'm not concerned for me. I'm not concerned for, for this and I, you know, in, in our generation, not concerned. We're, we're, not, we're not about to, to go off into that whole woke nonsense. And I'm not concerned for our children. They, they've been brought up. They know what's what. Uh, but I am concerned for our grandbabies. All right. And I said to the pastors, some of you guys, younger generation, you've got children in school. You, you better detox them when they come home. Sit down with them and ask them what they've learned. And I said, how do you deal with all of that? But of course, that's a whole other message, a whole other subject. Very quickly, Second Timothy, I'm moving very quickly now. Chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, that without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. This is again Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith, everybody say genuine faith. He says, the, the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it is in you also. This is very powerful, friends. This is very, very, very powerful. See, Timothy had his faith transferred to him by two women, his mother and his grandmother. You know, there was Lois, that faith that Timothy carried that first dwelt in Lois, the grandmother. And then she, you know, the faith went from the grandmother to the mother, to the, you know, obviously the, the grandmother, when she was a mother, she passed on her faith to Eunice, and Eunice took great care to pass on her faith to Timothy. And Timothy became a man of God. And there's not anything to brag about more than anybody else that's a man of God. You get a man of God that's a minister. You get a man of God that's a businessman. You get a man of God that goes into education, into the various spheres of influence uh, on what they call the seven mountains of society, you know, in the marketplace. But a man of God doesn't just happen automatically. That needs to be, a man of God is produced purposely. And uh, friends, uh, this here describes the importance not only of mothers, who do what they can, but also of grandmothers who still have a role to play in the lives of their children and actually their grandchildren, that is, to pass on their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm looking around. We got uh, Lois's here and we got Eunice's. The Eunice is the mother, Lois is the grandmother. And uh, Grandma, your job's not finished. Your job's not finished. You're praying. You're holding fast to promises that God's given you, promises that you see in the Word concerning your children, who are now adults who have children of their own. And I remember when I was a young parent, and we had some friends of ours that were more mature in, in years. Uh, we would have been in our uh, mid-30s, I guess, and at that stage we had, I don't know, two or three children, and, you know, life is busy, and, uh, and it's, you know, you parents can testify. And I said to this, uh, this friend of mine, to the man, uh, 
he had children that were almost adults at, at that stage. And uh, he had, I think the younger one at that stage would have been 13 or 14. And, and I said to him, gosh, I says, boy, this parenting thing, it's busy. I says, tell me, when does it ever ease up? He said, just looked at me with them wise eyes of his. He says, it never does. It never does. There are the ebbs and the flows. And I thought that I was done with parenting when we sent the last one out the house. And then the first grandchild comes along. And there's a burden that comes on you as a grandparent, as a grandfather or a grandmother. And, and, and you have a role to play that is huge and that is important to support your children with their children. And then some things you just, you know, you don't ask the parents, so you just go directly to the child and you speak into their lives and you encourage them in the spiritual things. They do what you can to pass on your faith and to raise up another Timothy. Timothy wasn't perfect, but he was the product of some very purposeful child training. So in closing... We could speak about the demands on mothers, and we have a little bit, but my goodness, we've barely scratched the surface. We could speak about the challenges of mothers. You know, fathers and mothers handle things differently. And, uh, you know, moms will always be moms. And mind you, I'm a father, I will always be a father, you know, but uh, as I said, you know, then sometimes I talk to them, oh, you know, mom's just being mom, you know, like mom will always be a mom. Um, and then we could speak about the reward of mothers. Last scripture, then we do a couple of pro Proverbs, a uh, couple of quotes, and then we finish. Proverbs 23, verse 24, it says, The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. Parents, let me tell you, children don't become wise by themselves. It is your wisdom being imparted into the children. And as I said, starting early. Um, it says, so give your father and your mother joy. This is a, an insert there that speaks to the children. Come on, kids. <laughs> Make wise decisions. Live right. And give your father and your mother joy. But then it finishes off. It says, may she who gave you birth, be happy. The rewards that come with intensive parenting can't be lax. It's got to be intensive. It's got to be purposeful. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. And sometimes you seem like, like you're making a step forward and two steps back, but you stick with it. And you carry on being a mom. You carry on being a father. And in time to come, there will be rich rewards. Uh, and uh, I do have time for this. Sometimes, you know, I'm a grandparent now. I've been one for seven years, seven, seven and a half. Uh, boy, the kids grow up quickly. Um, and, you know, you hear them, them doting grandparents talk about their grandbabies. You know, the Americans call them the grain sugars. And, you know, the, we had a guy turn up, you know, an American chap, nice guy. You know, he had a cap on, and he had on the cap in the front, he had embossed a picture of his grandson. You know, like he was just that thrilled about his grandbaby. And you are. Everybody, grandparents, we're just thrilled with our grandbabies. Uh, I better stick, stick to what I need to say. I was going to say something just now. I think I might have lost my train of thought there. <laughs> 
Yeah, grandchildren, absolutely. And, uh, and people, people say to me now, I say, look, you know, you heard about when they talked about grandparents, but now that you've won yourself, is it as good as they say? I say, it is as good and much better. There's rewards now. There's enjoyment. I just look at my grandkids. Sometimes I can't stop looking at them. I'm just thrilled uh, with what's going on. And you look at our kids and the wonderful job that they're doing with parenting. And we try to support them where we can. And as I say, I mean, there's just, there, is a, there is a blessing. There is a blessing that flows. And, and, and I really encourage you, parents, use your, everything that's at your disposal. Use your faith. Speak the word of God. Don't back down. Train your kids. Start early. Don't let them get away with anything. Do not be Google parenting. Do biblical parenting. And, uh, and when it's hard, keep going because the times of rewards will come. And when they hear, it's like you don't remember all of this other stuff. You know, they tell me that, uh, and, and I have no idea about this, uh, you know, childbearing, I have no idea. But they say, but boy, you know, the toughness of that experience. But when that mother holds the baby in her arms, it's all what she's just gone through in the last minutes, hours, and couple of days sometimes, you know, with labor and childbirth and everything else, it's almost like it, you know, it fades away because now you got the child. This is what it was all about. And so with parenting, it can be like having labor pains. <laughs> oh, gosh. And fathers feel them too. It's not just the mothers that feel those pains. But the rewards are coming if you stay with the program. Don't fall off your horse. Keep going, moms. Keep going, dads. Hallelujah. Let's do this together. And we as a local church, we're here for you. We're with you. We're praying for you. Anyway, let me finally... Finish with a couple of quotes and two more sentences and we are done. There's a Jewish proverb. It says, God could not be everywhere, so he made mothers. <laughs> okay. God could not be everywhere, so he made mothers. I'm quite humored by that. I think it's quite touching. Theologically, it's altogether wrong, but we don't care about theology so much in that moment. We just care about mums. And mums, we want you to feel you're special. You're just, uh, you're just everywhere. <laughs> Mom, her eyes, you know, like, we haven't even talked about protecting the kids um, and looking after them so they don't hurt themselves. It's not just feed, it's just all of this other stuff that goes on. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte, or Bonaparte, as they say in French, he said this, he says, the future destiny of a child is the work of a mother. And certainly in that generation, that would have been the case. Now we got dads involved in, praise God, we got dads involved in. Dad, be involved. We need you involved in the lives of your children so that together with mom and dad, uh, you know, we can shape that child and work together as a community of believers that we're producing godly offspring, as the book of Malachi tells us. Here is another chap, uh, William Ross Wallace. Uh, and uh, and uh, someone might say, who is he? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea who he is. I just know he wrote a, uh, a poem. And uh, as I looked at some poems, and, you know, I said last week, you know, we do uh, three points a poem. I says, forget the poem. I'm, I'm not gifted for poems. Uh, not to produce one and not to quote one. I, I just don't do that well. So I just stick to what I, what I do know to do. But he said this. Uh, 
And that sentence here is repeated throughout his poem several times. He says, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Mum, in closing, don't underestimate or minimize the potential of your great work as a mother. And you have been anointed, which means you've been endowed with supernatural power to do what God has called you to do. If you've got two children right now, you've got grace for two children. Don't be concerned about what it'll be like when you've got four children if you plan to keep going. I say to some of my kids, keep going, guys. I just love them grandbabies coming, you know. <laughs> keep going. But, you know, you, do, you only get the grace for the next one when the next one is conceived and carried and born. So don't give up and say, oh, I had one. That's all we're going to do. Uh, no, no, no. Just draw on the grace of God. Mums, you're anointed. Every mum in here, you're a super mum. Whether your children are off of your hands or whether your children are with you or around you right now. And as I say, we love you. Um, and we've got plenty of children here that you can embrace and adopt and, and so forth. And as I say, that's where, you know, we as a community believer, we, we work together with these things. We encourage each other in this whole area. So let me Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net. We'll see you again soon.